And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Resident financial guru from Envision Financial, it's Luke Smith. Good afternoon. How are you, mate? All right? Really well. Um, it's funny not to have you across the desk in the studio, mm-hmm. but we will carry on regardless, despite the uh, the isolation restrictions that have been placed upon us. We're going to continue our series today about setting up and running your own self-managed superannuation fund. But just before we get stuck into that, it's very topical at the yep. moment. A lot of people are wondering whether or not they'll be able to access their superannuation early if they encounter financial hardship uh, as a result of the current health crisis. Now, that's yep. kind of difficult to do at the best of times, um, mm. but it can be done, and there are suggestions that perhaps the government should make it easier. Yeah, look, I think it's something that people are going to try and reassess their value proposition in relation to their overall situation. Um, I think one of the important things we need to keep in mind here is that, as we've seen in China, this will get some momentum, and I think we're obviously a little bit behind them in relation to what they're dealing with. But people want to be able to have that security and comfort of knowing that if something does happen like lost incomes, um, inability to work or being quarantined in a house where obviously the key bread earners are uh, are busy playing ping pong, um, being able to get hold of some money in relation to superannuation will give people an element of comfort. Um, I think if they're going to do this, they need to put some fairly strict rules around an already very strict environment because obviously superannuation is for the longer term and this potentially and hopefully should be a short-term issue. Um, But generally speaking, if you want to access superannuation under the hardship provisions, you have to have been receiving Centrelink for a set period of time. So obviously that's very difficult in the short term when people haven't met those sorts of conditions at the moment. But if if they were to open those doors and and give people a a one-off reprieve or the ability in certain situations to access a super, I think protecting the community and obviously people's way of life and families is really, really important. So if it's something that we need to go out of the box on, like we've seen with travel and some of these other one-off regulations, I think it's probably a good thing as long as it's policed and controlled. Absolutely. And at the same time, uh, the super, sorry, the self-managed super fund association, along with national seniors of Australia, have written to the treasurer asking for the minimum drawdown rate to be reduced to half what it usually is uh, Mm. in the present circumstances. What does that mean and is that a good idea? Yeah, look, I think it's a great idea. Um, I think one of the things that people are struggling with at the moment in relation to their portfolios and their superannuation is some context. Now, obviously, when we start an income stream during the financial year, there's a minimum amount of money that needs to be taken so that you can benefit from all of the concessional treatments that that a pension account has, like no tax inside the fund and obviously no tax coming out to people over the age of 60. The minimum pension threshold is set by age. So if you're 55 to 65, the minimum you need to draw over a full financial year is 4%. And then from 65 to 75, it increases to 5% and so on. So in light of uh, a change in capital value um, and some peace of mind and obviously giving people the ability to preserve as much of their capital as possible within their elected superannuation or pension structure, I think it's probably prudent. Um, and it'll help limit the damage where people are forced to take money out that they may or may not need from a tax-effective environment. But again, thinking forwards, they may not be able to put the money back in depending on age, employment and a range of other factors. So I think, again, a one-off reprieve to try and help people preserve the capital value of their accounts is, is very, very prudent. And the other thing that uh, there are calls for at the moment uh, is for yet another, well... 
one more. Uh, reduction to the deeming rate. I know the deeming rate was recently reduced as part of the response to the coronavirus threat, but the, it had been a long time prior to that that it had not been mm. reduced. And now, of course, we've seen the Reserve Bank cut interest rates again since that decision. So there yep. are calls for another reduction in deeming rates. Obviously, we just have to await the government's pleasure on that one. But that, again, that would be a big help, wouldn't it? Yeah, look, I think, again, if we think about the proportion of the population that are reliant on full or part pension to fund their lifestyle and do the things they want to do, I think if we can just be realistic about the thresholds, obviously we've seen cash fall, as we've as we've just mentioned, and I don't think we're going to see a significant increase in the earnings rate of most companies in light of the financial impact of the coronavirus. And I think that's one of the big unknowns at the moment that's obviously spooking markets because markets are very forward-looking and they're obviously factoring in a 30 40% reduction in earnings. So if we can help, again, give some cash flow to the government or from the government to the people that need it most and have a realistic expectation of earnings and the way that they treat earnings, I think, again, it'll be good for everybody, even if it was a short-term measure that they then reviewed when we got out the back of the other side of this virus. And in another piece of relatively better news, while the share market is down roughly 30% since its peak Mm -hmm. in February, the average balanced superannuation account has declined about 10 to 12%. So it's holding its own a lot better, isn't it? Yeah. Look, I think this is really, really important for everybody out there because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around the impact of the market. And I I, I preface it by saying, if you're watching the news in the morning and you hear equity markets are off 30%, you know, the, the broader market is off X, just remember that you obviously in most instances, don't have 100% of your accumulated assets in one asset class. And that's why we have diversification across different areas of the market because different things are reacting in different ways. And, you know, most things now where you're running sort of 70% growth assets and 30% defensive, if the market, if equity markets in totality are off 30 32%, I'm seeing the slightly more aggressive play around that 15% mark, which obviously is there because that's their approved risk profile and they want to generate a solid income stream. But it's very important that people keep in context that if an equity market moves, it does not mean that your total portfolio or accumulated super has moved exactly that amount. I think people need to take a breath, take a step back. I appreciate that it's concerning at any age because I can obviously I have super, you have super, everybody has super. Um, but you need to keep it in perspective. If you're running a 50-50 growth and defensive portfolio, you will not fall at the same rate as a 100% equity portfolio and so on. So check what you've got, check your underlying assets, and then just take a step back and see how it's actually affected you before you jump into thinking that 30 plus percent of your soup has been eroded overnight. Because it hasn't. Correct, exactly right. I think people need to keep that in mind because yep. that's what I'm seeing at the moment. And when that's explained to people and you sort of look at the portfolio and put that in context, there's a huge sigh of relief and people go, oh, okay, no problems. Now let's carry on like normal human beings. Yeah, and at a later date, uh, presumably in a few months' time, the market will start climbing back up again when uh, everybody puts all their efforts into recovery and rebuilding. And that will in itself stimulate a lot of economic activity trying to put businesses back together. Yeah, look, again, I think this is where people need to um, to stick to their knitting, as, as someone said to me today, because if you start changing your asset allocation midway through and you move to a more defensive allocation because maybe fear or the unknown has got the better of you, you could actually 
do some significant damage to your ability to recover when things start to rally. And we've seen markets react very positively off very small bits of news. And generally speaking, obviously, the downside will always overshoot in relation to the expectation of earnings. But if you can hold steady and maintain your asset allocation, you'll have the greatest ability to try and make the most of a rally. And I think once things start to move forwards and we stop talking about coronavirus, we could see some significant leaps in the right direction like we've seen on the way down. So I think we've got to remember that super is long-term and and hopefully this is a short-term Probably. Indeed, that's right. And when we say short term, yes, uh, months, maybe even 18 months, but, um, you know, that's yeah. the worst case scenario, isn't it? Um, yes, hopefully exactly. uh, it'll get better a lot sooner than that. Now, longer term, of course, is anything more than four or five years, isn't it? Yeah, look, I, I, I guess in, in meetings I'm having with people at the moment, obviously uh, those with cash are looking at it as a, as a really good buying opportunity for good quality assets, and I obviously think that's Again, taking a longer-term view, most of the discussions I'm having are around, is this a good company three to five years from now? I think if you want to play those edges and day trade and, and, and sort of ride the lightning, that's, that's really not what superannuation is for. Um, and if you have a risk tolerance to do that, that's great. By all means, you know, take your chances. But I think you'd have to be uh, a fairly brave individual seeing some of the swings that we saw um, across general indices. Uh, we saw the property index yesterday fall 13% and we saw it bounce back 14% today. Absolutely. So it's, 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 it's a topsy-turvy time and uh, I think we just need to keep the life jacket on and, and, and keep looking at the shore. Absolutely. Now, I know we've used up a bit of time, but uh, let's embark upon today's topic. Now that our self-managed super fund is up and running, as we discussed yep. in last week's program, what are some of the things we need to do uh, to make sure it runs correctly? Yeah, so obviously last week we, we started the four-week series on the self-managed super funds, and this week we say, okay, we've got it up and running. So over the next 12 months now that we have an operating fund, what are some of the key things that we're going to need to do as the trustee and potentially the member? Obviously the first one is review our investment strategy. It's very important that the super fund has the goalposts set in the ground, and obviously an investment strategy, as we touched on last week, is very important to talk about things like diversification, liquidity. And in times like this, it's probably prudent for people to go back to their investment strategy of their fund and make sure that, okay, these were the ranges we said we were happy to tolerate and these were the allocations that we were going to hold. And this was the amount of liquidity that we will have in the fund. And I think that is very, very prevalent at the moment because a lot of the portfolios that we run, we generally keep 12 to 18 months of cash at all times. And that says we've automatically got a buffer of, you know, a year and a half where we wouldn't need to look at assets. So all of these sorts of important considerations are real-life examples now, and they're uh, they're detailed in a super fund's investment strategy. So that's the first one that I'd be looking at. The second one, obviously, as the trustee, you have an obligation to review the insurance needs of the members. Now, generally speaking, a lot of the funds that we see are uh, a couple. So mum and dad are the member, and they just happen to be the trustee as well. So... Under the rules, you have to review the needs, the insurance needs of a member each year and make sure that their situation and requirements haven't changed. And that can be done through some pension minutes or, or some, some superannuation minutes that say that the trustees have put on their, their management hat, they've considered the needs of their members, regardless of the fact that it actually could be themselves that they're thinking about. And they've minuted or documented the fact that they've looked at their insurance needs, they've considered the policies they already have, or they've, they've notified the trustee that they don't need to maintain a policy for whatever reason, depending on their broader circumstance. So they're two things that the trustees need to do on an annual basis. 
Um, and then obviously the next one we're going to talk about will depend on your phase of retirement and what the fund is being used for because the next thing that they need to do is obviously when an income stream is started or a pension is commenced, there's some very specific paperwork that needs to be completed and recorded with the fund's accountant and the auditor to ensure that the fund maintains a tax-effective profile and obviously when you start a pension, all of the income inside the fund and obviously what comes out to you over the age of 60 is tax-free and it's important that the trustee complete the necessary pension minutes that dictate some of the key things that they need to consider in relation to the income they're going to take. And what I mean by that is we need to know how much money is going to be started in the pension. We need to know the components or the taxable and tax-free breakdown of that member's account. We also need to know that they've drawn the minimum and that the deed allows them to take that sort of pension. Last week, we touched on, obviously, the creation of the super fund and the deed, which is the, 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 the book that holds all of the rules for the fund. It's important that the deed allows you to pay an account-based pension, a transition to retirement pension, a market-linked pension, and all of the, the other income streams that are out there in the open market. So make sure that the pension minutes are completed because, obviously, it's, it's a requirement of the fund. The accountant of the super fund will be looking for this information so that they can complete the tax return and undertake the necessary taxation work. And also the auditor of the fund will want to know the percentage of the fund that is tax-free and they will complete and get an actuarial certificate at the end of the year. And that's, that's one of the functions that the accountant will undertake as part of the completion of the tax return. Luke, you mentioned the accountant for your self-managed super fund before mm. the break. Now, uh, you can't just do that yourself. You need to have an accountant, apparently. Why is that? Well, obviously, it's a legal requirement because a, a self-managed super fund is a, is, a, is a trust structure. The trust needs to complete a tax return each year, and that's obviously the collation of income and earnings and obviously to remit the necessary tax depending on the structure of the superannuation fund. So if you're a qualified accountant, obviously you can do your own tax return because you have that skill set. Um, but most people obviously don't have that ability. So obviously it's something that you outsource um, and the accountant will take care of all of the key obligations under the legislation in relation to the maintenance, the reporting, the taxation and all of the minutes and, and, and compliance requirements to ensure that the fund maintains its complying superannuation status because the penalties of the to become non-compliant are extremely serious and it's not something that you ever want to dance with and you definitely don't want to wave your hand up and, and, and become a target for the APR. So getting an accountant is a very prudent way to ensure that all of the requirements are met over the course of the financial year. Now, it's important to keep in mind that one of the big advantages of uh, a self-managed super fund is obviously that the tax return is completed in the following February of the end of the financial year. So. You can obviously do it straight away, but it generally, it takes a couple of months to collate all of the distribution and the paperwork associated with the underlying investments. But once that's all collected, obviously the, the tax accountant then would make sure that they have reconciliations of bank accounts, they've got contract notes, they've got holding statements, they've got managed fund application paperwork and they've got the unit holdings. They've also got property valuations for those that have commercial uh, assets in the, in the fund. And obviously the valuation of non-standard assets such as paintings, cars, wines, pink diamonds and all of the other fun, funky things that you can put into a super fund, provided that you meet all of the, uh, the collectible rules which are, uh, are fairly onerous. Um, so if you've got a, a painting in the super fund and it's hanging in your kitchen, 
um, I'd advise you to, uh, <laughs> to get that in a storage facility as quickly as possible and, and make sure that the ATO doesn't come knocking because the, the biggest misconception is that it'll never happen to me until it does. Okay. So what is your accountant going to need in order to make sure all these important tasks are completed? Yeah, okay, good one. So obviously they're going to want a, a reconciliation of the bank accounts that you may run through the fund. Now, depending on how you operate your fund, you may have multiple bank accounts because you may have multiple members. Obviously, they're going to want confirmation of pensions. They're going to want to know as part of their reconciliation that the minimum pension drawings that we spoke about earlier have been met to ensure that the pension account can maintain its tax-free status. They're also going to want to see copies of transactions, holding statements, distribution notices, because that will be the tax information that they will need to complete the overall tax position of the fund. They're going to want to know about contributions. Have you made a deductible contribution? Have you made a non-concessional contribution where no deduction is claimed? So having really good records along the way through the financial year, I find, makes the, the 30 June exercise a lot easier because sometimes we can't remember what we did last week, let alone where some money came <laughs> from eight months prior. Oh, yes. Um, so that, that's obviously very, very important. You want to have your valuations for your collectibles and your non-standard assets and obviously your commercial properties. Um, and obviously then make sure that if you do have a commercial arrangement in relation to the rent from a business to a, a, a property owned by the super fund, that you've met that obligation. And that obligation is obviously at an arm's length basis and that you haven't been doing any underhanded deals in relation to a little bit cheaper rent and a little bit of this because obviously the ATO is all over non-standard income and they like to see everything held at an arm's length basis. So yep. as long as your, your paperwork is really, really tight and you're very consistent and, and transparent, then you generally don't have any troubles knocking Indeed. over the tax return and getting it finished. And the bottom line there is the paperwork's got to be accurate and you've got to have proof of everything, keep all your receipts, all your paperwork in order uh, for your accountant to complete the job. Luke, we're going to run out of time, yep. but where do we go for more information? Yeah, obviously, you know, www.envisionfinancial.com.au. Obviously, we've got the Knowledge Centre there where we have a raft of technical information and some general reading for everybody. Um, we've got YouTube, obviously, Envision Financial Canberra where we can recap the show and have the key takeouts as an education piece so you can subscribe to that. And we have the Strategy Stack on iTunes where I talk about, you know, the podcast and other things that we'll be bringing in this year where we'll, we'll, we'll be able to give you some further information on individual topics. Marvellous. Thanks very much, and we'll catch you again next week. That's Luke Smith from Envision Financial. 